0: Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. So, how can we keep Christ first in our lives? How can we be busy doing all that God wants us to be doing without getting troubled and anxious, like Martha, and forgetting why we're doing all those things? The short answer to that question is simply this. We have to give our relationship with God the time it needs and deserves. Well, that's not easy to do. Time is one of the things we never seem to have enough of. We know we should spend time in personal prayer each day. We know we should go on a good, solid spiritual retreat or pilgrimage each year. We know we should take time to savor and explore the liturgical seasons and feasts month by month. But how? The closest thing to a secret formula goes way back to Moses and the Ten Commandments. The first three of those commandments were designed to help God's people keep God first in their lives. The third commandment, the one having to do with keeping the Lord's day holy, is all about allowing God to sanctify our time. God invented time, so no one knows its ins and outs better than He does. In the third commandment, He presents us with the divine secret for successful Christ-centered time management. And He presents it not as a recommendation, but as a command. He knows we need it. Living the Lord's Day well changes the rhythm of our lives so that we can more easily avoid being frazzled and stressed, like Martha. Living the Lord's Day well creates a healthy space in our busy lives so that all of our activities can be harmoniously integrated into a beautiful whole just like the vast empty interiors of the great cathedrals allow their many magnificent architectural elements to contribute harmoniously to the inspiring whole. Before we look at how to fulfill this commandment, however, we need to ask ourselves a question. How willing am I to really trust God on this one? No matter how odd this commandment may seem, no matter how inconvenient, no matter how countercultural or even distasteful, Am I willing to take the risk of really following it? If not, you may as well skip the rest of the conference. But if you are, let's get to it. And as usual, we can turn to the Catechism for guidance. In number 2185, the Catechism identifies the four things that should make our Sundays different. On Sundays and other holy days of obligation, the faithful are to refrain from engaging in work or activities that hinder the worship owed to God, the joy proper to the Lord's day, the performance of the works of mercy, and the appropriate relaxation of mind and body. Worship, joy, mercy, and rest, these are the ingredients of a healthy Lord's day, the elements that will make Sundays different from other days, and we need to guard against anything that could interfere with them. Let's take a look at each one of them, one by one. Worship. The first ingredient in a healthy Lord's Day is worship. One of the things that separates human beings from animals is our capacity for worship, for acknowledging our dependence on God, and for giving thanks to Him for creating and redeeming us. Worship flows naturally from the human mind's spiritual awareness that we are part of a story that goes beyond the limits of time and space, a story that involves a transcendent divine dimension. This awareness, in fact, is one of the clues that scientists use to determine whether ancient remains belong to human beings or pre-human beings. We don't find animals burying their dead, for example, and including artifacts in the graves. That kind of activity signifies the uniquely human awareness of a transcendent realm, a mysterious divine realm that governs the visible universe and that we depend on. The earliest human cultures that we know of all had religious beliefs and practices. Religious worship, in fact, is a necessary part of who we are as created spiritual beings. Here's how the Catechism puts it. Man is by nature and vocation a religious being. Coming from God, going toward God, man lives a fully human life only if he freely lives by his bond with God. The commandment to keep holy the Lord's day to celebrate God's goodness and our covenant with Him on that day, flows from this reality. Here's how the Catechism explains it. The celebration of Sunday observes the moral commandment inscribed by nature in the human heart to render to God an outward, visible, public and regular worship as a sign of His universal beneficence to all. Throughout human history, people have desperately tried to find the right way to live this natural need and duty of worship. They've sacrificed animals, created complex rituals, and in some cases, even developed ritual human sacrifice. They have invented individual as well as group forms of worship. They've sought the perfect formula over and over and over again. As Christians, we are free from the daunting burden of trying to figure out all on our own the right way to worship God. God has shown it to us and given it to us. The sacrifice of the Mass, the celebration of the Eucharist, by which each and all of us are united to the self-offering of Jesus Christ, is the perfect prayer, the fulfillment of all human yearnings for proper worship. This is why the primary responsibility of every one of us on the Lord's Day is to participate consciously, actively, prayerfully in Mass. Here's how the Catechism puts it. The Sunday Eucharist is the foundation and confirmation of all Christian practice. For this reason, the faithful are obliged to participate in the Eucharist on days of obligation, unless excused for a serious reason. For example, illness, the care of infants, or dispensed by their own pastor. Those who deliberately fail in this obligation commit a grave sin. A friend of mine from college contacted me a couple of years ago. He was Catholic, but he had gotten himself into some serious moral difficulties. We talked it through for a couple hours. We identified some steps he could take to get back on track, but we also identified one of the steps he took that got him off track. His efforts to climb the ladder of success in his profession required him to work long hours. There was a period in which he was working 80-hour weeks on a regular basis, including weekends. During that period, he stopped going to Sunday Mass. He said he just couldn't fit it in anymore. At about the same period, his moral troubles began. Our participation in Sunday Mass, so necessary for the proper living of the Lord's Day, is one good vital sign for the health of our spiritual life. Joy The second ingredient in a healthy Lord's Day is joy. When someone does something wonderful for us, the natural and proper response is to rejoice, to celebrate, to experience joy. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was a day of joy because it was the day in which the Israelites commemorated the creation of the universe and also the covenant. God had created the world, and then after the tragedy of original sin, He had chosen Israel, protected Israel, redeemed Israel from slavery in Egypt. All those divine actions were reasons to rejoice. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has led us to shift the Lord's day from Saturday, the Israelites' Sabbath, to Sunday, the day on which Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Everything in the Old Testament was a preparation for the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the true Redeemer, the Savior who has freed the fallen race from slavery to sin and evil. Jesus has opened up the gates of heaven for us, the gates that Adam and Eve had closed through the rebellion against God. Jesus has paid the price for our selfishness and sin, so that we can have access to God's infinite mercy, to a fresh start whenever we need it. If that's not reason to rejoice, I don't know what is. When we take time on Sundays to enjoy the good things God has done for us, to smile and laugh and take joy in God's gifts, including the good things of creation, when we do that, we are doing what is right and just. We are showing our faith and our hope in God. The greatest joys of human experience come when we are together with people we love. And this is why Sunday has always been considered a day for families and friends to get together, simply to enjoy each other's company. Different types of activities are enjoyable to different personalities, but when we have the desire to rejoice together, to enjoy what God has given and done for us, We will find a way to bring all our different personalities into harmony. I remember a friend I had when I was growing up. His grandfather had done very well, going from rags to riches through hard work and a little bit of luck. He had built a beautiful family mansion, with large lawns and a huge family room and gorgeous living rooms. But the grandfather had passed away, bequeathing his mansion to my friend's dad. I used to go over to my friend's house sometimes on the weekends, and we used to play together but we had to stay pretty much in his room. We couldn't use the lawns because we might dig them up, and we couldn't use the big family room because we might break something, and the living rooms don't even think about it. What a shame. I'm sure the grandfather who worked so hard to provide for his family would have been sad to know that his family was afraid to enjoy what he had worked so hard to give them. On Sundays, when we make time to live the simple joys that God has built into our human condition, family, friendship, good food, refreshing fun. We also give joy to the heart of God, our Father, who has made the universe for us. Mercy. The third ingredient in a healthy Lord's day is mercy. Here's how the Catechism puts it. Sunday is traditionally consecrated to Christian piety, to good works, and humble service of the sick, the infirm, and the elderly. Christians will also sanctify Sunday by devoting time and care to their families and relatives, often difficult to do on other days of the week. In the hustle and bustle of our Martha-like lives, it's often very hard to find time for the Christian works of mercy. Sometimes all we seem to be able to do is make a monetary donation to a worthy cause, and that's a good thing. But it's also a good thing to reach out with our own hands to serve those who may be sick, imprisoned, or alone. This is especially the case for our own family members and relatives, or for people connected to our social circles who may have hidden needs. Giving these people something to look forward to on Sundays is a powerful way to help others experience the goodness of the God we worship, and to spread to others the joy that we have received from the Lord. When I first became a Christian, I was about 13 years old. I'd started going to a Bible church under the influence of my older sister. We couldn't drive ourselves, and every single Sunday we needed a ride. One of the young men who belonged to the church and lived close to my house offered to pick us up and take us home, and he did that for almost two years. And every Sunday after the service, he would make a special stop before taking us back to our house. He would pull into a little strip mall and park right outside Davis Bakery, and he would treat me and my sisters to donuts and danishes and whatever else we wanted. It became a little tradition, and we used to look forward to it and to thoroughly enjoy it. It was the perfect finish to a morning at church. He didn't have to do that. He didn't even have to give us a ride. It was the spirit of Christian mercy and love that inspired him to go the extra mile for a few youngsters who needed a hand. I would guess that his humble act of mercy did as much or more than all the sermons I heard in those years to help me get to know the heart of God. Rest. The fourth ingredient in a healthy Lord's day is rest. This may be the hardest ingredient for us to find in our high-strung and secular culture. Healthy rest and relaxation is difficult to come by in our age. We often prefer to just take a high-octane energy drink and keep on working. And when we do indulge in some recreation, too often it is the kind of activity that wears us out even more, instead of actually refreshing us. Basically, our culture has lost the natural rhythm of work and rest. The wisdom of living the Lord's day can help us recover it. Here's how the Catechism puts it. God's action is the model for human action. If God rested and was refreshed on the seventh day, man too ought to rest and should let others, especially the poor, be refreshed. The Sabbath brings everyday work to a halt and provides a respite. It is a day of protest against the servitude of work and the worship of money. That last phrase is important. By resting from normal work on the Lord's day, we make a powerful statement against the servitude of work and the worship of money. Human beings work to live. We don't live to work. Too often we get caught up in the rat race and forget that. We become addicted to our own earthly projects and dreams, in a sense, and lose sight of the bigger picture, the picture that includes eternity and our final resting place with God in heaven. We think... We can build heaven on earth if we just work a little bit harder. That's a lie. And we need to break out of it. We need to remember that we have a homeland in heaven. A homeland that is not the fruit of our sweat and effort, but the gift of our loving God. Our human dignity requires this. Human beings are created in God's image. We are God's children. God worked and then rested when He created the universe. And that sets the pattern for us as well. Once again, the Catechism makes this clear. Just as God rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done, human life has a rhythm of work and rest. The institution of the Lord's Day helps everyone enjoy adequate rest and leisure to cultivate their familial, cultural, social, and religious lives. Squirrels don't take Sundays off, neither do robots. But we are not animals, and we are not machines. We are human beings. Engaging in healthy and refreshing recreation on the Lord's Day helps us protect our true identity and keep the rest of our activities in proper balance and perspective. It's possible to exaggerate this aspect of the Lord's Day, as the Pharisees did in the time of Jesus. They went so far as to prescribe the precise number of steps a person was allowed to take on the Sabbath, and the exact weight of loads that a person was allowed to carry. But Jesus was wiser than the Pharisees, and he told them that man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for man. And we need to remember that, too. Sometimes our secular society doesn't allow us to live Sundays as fully as we would like. But a lot of times, a little foresight and effort can really help us buck the secular system. But even so, sometimes we will just have to do some work on Sundays. Some people will have to work on Sundays in order to afford others opportunities for rest. And those people will have to find some other time for their necessary rest and relaxation. And something that might be work for one person could actually be a healthy form of recreation for another person. God understands all those permutations. We don't need to find the perfect formula and the pristine definition of work and rest. But we do need to accept and fulfill this need that God has built into our human nature and find ways to meet this need on Sundays. I know a family that goes entirely offline every Sunday. Everybody turns off their computers and puts their cell phones in a basket. And they spend the day together, doing non-electronic things. Things they just don't get to do during the week. I know another family that goes to a state park every Sunday after Mass for a cookout and games. They usually bring other families along with them. Even just getting the whole family and some friends together for dinner on Sunday would be better than nothing. It would make Sundays different, seasoning them with joy and with rest. And that's the point. God commands us to make Sundays different. And even if we can only start with little things, we need to make the effort to follow this sacred command. Conclusion Cooking the One Thing Needed Worship, joy, mercy, and rest. These are the four ingredients that go into a healthy Lord's Day. And a healthy Lord's Day is God's not-so-secret formula, so to speak, for healthy time management, for keeping our hearts in the right place, so that we can avoid being upset and stressed and frazzled by the many worries and duties that clamor for our attention, as happened to Martha, and keep our hearts and minds focused on the one thing needed, like Mary. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.